The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They called me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. That's right, fellow conspiracy realists. This is our weekly listener mail segment, which means several of you are our guests on this evening's program. Something awesome happened. You know, every, every so often... We will ask one of our fellow listeners whether they have expertise in a given field. And we are immensely grateful because, honestly, the majority of the time we ask for uh, an expert to write in, whatever the field is, we get a response. And it's always a really good one. So uh, earlier we asked for a, a hydrologist to chime in. I think I actually used the word. I was like, I'm not a hydrologist. How does this work? And we are going to hear from a real life hydrologist talking a little more about saltwater intrusion. Uh, we're going to learn some very spooky things about Chinese farming in North Dakota. Uh, we are, we do want to flag this folks. There is a story that we're going to give you at the very end. It is important. It is graphic. Uh, it is disturbing. It may not be the best for all listeners, especially if you tune in with uh, some of your younglings around. So we will give you a heads up when that story comes in case you need to fast forward or in case you need to skip. Before we do any of that, we're returning to drugs. We're back on the drugs, folks. Oh, no. We, we, I thought we were, we were off the that. drugs for no. a second. Now, now we're back on the drugs. 
it's insidious, those drugs. Um, yeah, no, we, it's come up multiple times over the years, but I think pretty recently, um, the idea of analogs of drug analogs. And I believe on a previous listener mail episode, I mentioned, uh, some of my experience vicariously, uh, with these types of things, you know, there was a whole period where you could buy certain analogs, um, you know, analogs for things like THC, uh, for things, certain psychedelics, uh, and certain types of amphetamines, or I guess you could call it like stimulants, more more like available at, you know, head shops or, or tobacco shops and things like that because of these legal loopholes. Uh, now we're in the midst of certain types of THC analogs like Delta-8 being available legally in states where uh, marijuana THC is still illegal. And it's because it's just different enough, molecularly speaking, that it, it's not technically THC, but it has the exact same effects. And uh, we had a listener write in um, who'd like to be called Corvus, uh, who has some experience with this kind of this kind of thing. And uh, I think in my statements or, you know, just musings, I guess, about this topic, I got a few things wrong. Um, and I think Corvus wants to help us clear that up, which I very much appreciated. Uh, Corvus's email goes as follows. Hello, fellas. Longtime listener, first time mailer. Welcome. Uh, you can call me Corvus. Was the host of a no longer running show about harm reduction and drug facts. I'd like to clear up some things said on a previous listener mail. First of all, you were correct in saying that things like K2 are dangerous and powerful. But to the extent that they are is greater than you said. Synthetic cannabinoids have led to unintentional poisonings and even deaths. Secondly, and more importantly, you said that bath salts were essentially meth, and this is not true. Uh, just to defend myself a little bit, I think I was more just referring to the effects, um, not necessarily to what it was an analog for. You know, I, I did know some people uh, in these days that got really bad off on this stuff. And it, to my experience, you know, <laughs> what I, little I know about, you know, what it's like for someone to be really, really strung out on meth, very, very similar, um, very, very similar results, very scary stuff. Um, Secondly, and more importantly, you said that bath salts were essentially meth, and this is not true. Originally, bath salts were drugs like meth cathinone uh, that, yes, were stimulants, but are all synthetic drugs derived from cathinone, an alkaloid found in the catha edulis shrub, a.k.a. the cot plant, uh, a plant that is far more common than most people in the Western world know. Um, Cot, by the way, is, uh, according to DEA.gov, is a flowering evergreen shrub, this is me, uh, that is abused for its stimulant-like effect as two active ingredients, cathine um, and cathinone, um, often referred to as Abyssinian tea, African salad, catha, chat, cat, mira, oat, cot, and quadka. Um, and it is, I think, or at least originates in, in Africa, uh, in the African continent. Um, the email goes on. Saying that bath salts is like meth would be akin to saying cocaine is like meth, while both stimulants uh, and similar, I guess, far from the same thing. Not hating, I just believe in harm reduction, and one of the first steps to that is correct information about drugs. Feel free to paraphrase this if you intend on using it for an episode and encourage harm reduction research and destigmatization of drugs. Anyway, thanks a lot, fellas, for doing what you do. Best regards, Corvus. 
Yeah, I think this is a very, very helpful and interesting email. And it kind of got me thinking and doing a little Googling just about, you know, the dangers of analogs. And I came across some pretty recent stories uh, about an analog to fentanyl. There is Mm -hmm. apparently a cousin of fentanyl, which, as we know, is a very, very dangerous narcotic that, you know, can kill uh, in the amounts of what would visually be like a grain of the stuff. And we know that there have been a lot of cases of this stuff being laced into other street drugs that maybe are not analogous at all uh, to what this substance, you know, um, makes you feel. Um, things like cocaine and, and methamphetamine that are, you know, intended to provide an upper kind of effect. So I've always thought it was counterintuitive that this would be used. But the idea, I think, is that I've never fully understood why it's done. Um, I can understand why they would use it for things like heroin that are, you know, opioids. But it's odd to me that dealers would, uh, or I guess distributors, would risk killing their customers by lacing a product with something that can be deadly in such small amounts. But it's not for us to get inside the minds of of these type of folks. But um, uh, recently, Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey uh, talked about introducing or extending rather temporary measure for up to two years for existing fentanyl related substances and for up to four years on some of these new analogs that emerge. So, Ben, you often mention how legislation drastically lags behind technology. I guess mm-hmm. maybe drugs aren't exactly technology, but in, in, in general, that's it's, it holds true. Um, mm-hmm. If there's a new substance on the street and it's an analog, but it has just enough of a different chemical makeup that it doesn't fall under the previously scheduled you know, substances, it is tough to push something through that all of a sudden makes that stuff illegal. Uh, so this is a measure that's you know being done as part of a uh, believe bipartisan uh, backed halt fentanyl act, um, which was passed back in May and would make this classification or the ability to classify analogs as a permanent uh, prohibition. So it does seem like this conversation around analogs and all of the loopholes that they provide starting to be addressed to some degree. So, you know, which is thank, good. Yeah, I think so I, too, for sure. Drugs are, I, I, I was thinking about this too, because you raise a really interesting point here. Also, first off, Corvus, shout out for that street name. I get it. I see you, bud. But uh, the, the question about whether drugs are technology, I guess, depends on how we define technology, right? Like the, uh, if technology is something human created for a specific function, then wouldn't drugs be technology? I, I think so. I mean, writing is technology. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, language is technology. I would argue. I mean, pharmacology is a different field than technology, but it does seem to have a bit of a Venn diagram kind of crossover for sure. Hmm. So with this idea, drugs then are also one of the oldest of human technologies. Or they're older, right? I mean, a lot of religions were based on the use of psychoactive substances. So the analog stuff will continue. And I got to be honest, the bigger part of this too is humanity is going to get more into drugs, I think, as technology improves to the point of targeting specific conditions, uh, to the point of preventative medicine. Um, Also, there are tons of incredibly smart people who are trying to figure out things like more cost-effective organized crime profits, or they're trying to figure out 
you know, not just how to get around the loopholes, but how to maximize benefits while minimizing side effects or damaging consequences. It's this is terrible wordplay, you guys, but we're getting to brave new world status. Shout out Aldous Huxley. What was the one? What was the drug in Brave New Soma? Soma, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. There's an article. I was just looking to see what the uh, status of the Halt Fentanyl Act is, mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem that it's passed or been shot down yet. But uh, one article that I did find was was one saying that more than 150 groups urge Congress to vote no on the Halt Fentanyl Act. Um, Why? Has, and I don't fully understand. It says 158 undersigned national, state, and local public health, criminal justice reform, and civil rights organizations write today to urge you to reject and veto and vote no on the halt all lethal trafficking of fentanyl act. Uh, this bill permanently schedules fentanyl-related substances on Schedule One of the Controlled Substances Act based on a flawed class definition, imposes mandatory minimums, and fails to provide an off-ramp for removing inert or harmless substances from the drug schedule. The class-wide scheduling approach endorsed in the HALT Fentanyl Act classifies all FRS, uh, which is um, fentanyl-related substances, as Schedule I drugs reserved for substances with no currently accepted medical use and a high potential for abuse. This class definition, however, is a radical departure from drug scheduling practices as it relies exclusively on chemical structure without accounting for pharmacological effect based on the unproven hypothesis of chemical structure function relationships. Um, contrary to the hypothesis, structurally related substances can often have complementary therapeutic values. In fact, the National Institute of Drug Abuse uh, has already acknowledged that some FRS are inert and that at least one may be an opioid antagonist that behaves like naloxone. Oh, wait, it's funny you're mentioning that National Institute on Drug Abuse because they also say that fentanyl or FRS can be used to treat patients who have chronic pain, but a high physical tolerance to other opioids. So fentanyl is super dangerous, but it looks like even the boffins are saying there are legitimate uses. Yeah, it has similarities to naloxone, which, as we know, uh, is is an opium-derived uh, counteractive um drug that that saves lives in the event of an overdose. And just to wrap up here, uh, classifying all FRS in Schedule 1 places undue restrictions on research for therapeutic potential for FRS. This means that researchers and scientists are not able to study these substances at a time when the U.S. is experiencing record number overdose deaths. Interesting counterpoint. I never, I immediately was like, why? And now I kind of see why, but it's also just goes to show how hard it is to do things like this. Mm -hmm. How hard it is to write legislation. You know what I mean? With the best of intent, you can end up doing more damage than you ever, you know, you ever meant to when you started writing things out. Wow. Guys, I've spent this whole conversation obsessing over Corvus's podcast. Mm -hmm. Corvus mentioned at the top that uh, they were a podcast host of a now defunct show, mm-hmm. and uh, the the Gmail address intrigued me. I'm not going to say what it is, but it, it led it led me to find drinking out of cups, the podcast that Corvus used to host. I'm assuming, and because uh, it just stopped in September. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember drinking out of cups? Do you know what that is? Mm-mm. It's a Dan Deacon thing from early internet where there's a lizard there's like an animated cgi lizard and it's there's well let me i'll just do this what is this seahorse captain 
Oh yeah, seahorse. What is this? I remember the seahorse one. Yeah. Seahorse seashell party. Not my chair. Who did it? Not my me. chair. Not my problem. <laughs> yeah, that's what Damn. I said. Damn, I built a romantic relationship with an ex based on that thing. I kid you not. God, the early internet was amazing. You're Isn't right, that funny? That, that was a meme in and of itself outside of kind of Dan Deacon's brilliant musical career. And mm-hmm. he's gone on to continue to make great records. And I've seen him live a couple of times. And he does non sequiturs like that live at every single show. Like he is just a font of that kind of stuff. It's, yeah. it's a delight. It's almost Beautiful. like seeing a psychedelic concert and stand-up comedy show. And he does audience participation things where he'll have the whole audience form a giant like yeah, worm and, and run through. It's 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 hard. You have to see it to believe it. If he's ever in your city, you got to go see Dan Deacon. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Corvus. And thank you, Matt. You have made my evening. And I think I just had a feeling. I appreciate that. I had Woo. a feeling you might have had a feeling, Ben. Well, with that hallmark moment, uh, I think it's time to take a quick break. Uh, Thanks again, Corvus. Uh, We're going to hear a word from our sponsor and then come back with more messages from you. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we've returned. Uh, Alexis, Doc Holiday, we need to have some kind of 
sound cue for when Ben has a feeling. I think that would be amazing, Ben, if we had like a persecution. <laughs> no, I call it persecution. No, I think it would be <laughs> and awesome. The, the Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> no, well, just, I just have to yes in because I support you guys, and we support you too. I don't want to come off as salty. No, no. no. segways. I just think it'd be awesome. Okay, ah, I get it. Salt, salty. Yeah, we're talking oh, about segways. salt, salt, salt water intrusion. I think there we go. I keep thinking about this subject and I keep bringing it up and we just had a video shoot and did another thing on it. I'm sorry, guys. It must be, I sound like a broken record over here. Uh, but this stuff, I don't know why this problem gives me such dread feelings of existential dread. Mm -hmm. um, something about just the, the ocean encroaching on the stuff that we need to drink to survive weirds me out. I, I don't know. Can we get a quick recap in case anybody missed some of the some of the explorations we've done on this saltwater intrusion is like the headline, right? Yes, uh, saltwater intrusion is a thing that happens when you've got a body of water, a river that is flowing in one direction, and then it eventually hits the ocean water, and then the fresh river water pushes against the salty ocean water, and they kind of push against each other until. There's not enough water flowing downstream into the ocean, and basically the ocean water begins to creep underneath the river water, and it, it works its way upstream, and it can do really bad things to infrastructure, um, gro other groundwater sources like aquifers and things like that that have fresh water in them. It's not good. We just talked about it recently because Louisiana is dealing with this in several parishes right by the Gulf Coast, and there is salt water that is headed up the Mississippi River towards New Orleans, and it's scheduled to be there right around Halloween. So we're going to give you a couple of news updates in a moment, but first we're going to jump to a response we got from someone calling themselves Hydro, a hydrologist, uh, after we talked about this on the show. Here it goes. Hi, Matt, Ben, and Noel. I'm a hydrologist, which means I study water. The full water cycle, from the atmosphere to the surface water to groundwater to the ocean. So I was really pleased that you guys covered the saltwater intrusion issues on the Mississippi River in Louisiana. You guys did an excellent job of communicating the science of the issue in a way that's simple for the general public to understand. Oh, hey, hey, appreciate Please that. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. We, we accept. Uh, Hydro just says, as a scientist, this is something I have difficulty doing. After your exploration, it sounded like there was still some confusion of how, on how saltwater and freshwater interact in a river. Perhaps I can help clarify. Saltwater is denser than freshwater, which creates a vertical force when the two mix, causing the denser saltwater to sink to the bottom. However, in this case, both the saltwater and freshwater are flowing horizontally in opposite directions, freshwater downstream, saltwater upstream, meaning there is an opposing horizontal force as well. So you've got vertical force, right, with saltwater wanting to go down, and uh, horizontal force where they're pushing on each other. And the result is that the interference between saltwater and freshwater is diagonal with a bit of a curve to it, the shape of which is governed by the relative magnitudes of these two forces. That makes sense, right? I think mm -hmm. I can visualize that at least. 
It's like the idea of a water column, kind of, or like how there can be different densities, or maybe it's temperature I'm talking about with a water column. But I do understand how these things can, of different densities, can mix weirdly and then governed by different forces, right? And I, I think hydro, uh, just to reciprocate there, I think this is a wonderfully written explanation mm-hmm. here. I, I, I think you got to stop giving yourself a hard time because yeah, this, this is classic how stuff works. Exactly. Go hydro, go, go hydro, go hydro. Oh, wow. Sorry. Let's continue. Something that usually gets left out of the discussion is that a similar effect occurs in groundwater. Lower groundwater levels and rising sea levels cause salt water to intrude into the aquifer. That's that deep underground freshwater source that we just talked about in Strange News. <laughs> Where uh, was the company, Ben, that's sucking all the fresh water out? The Saudi Arabian company? Oh, Fondamonte. Yeah. I, I just like to say it that, that way because it sounds less evil. <laughs> it sounds uh, Italian. Italian. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this, this intrusion into the aquifer can corrode infrastructure and contaminate wells that are used for drinking water as well as for agriculture. Exactly what we just talked about. Um, and Hydro also puts a note in here that corroded, well, Hydro says corroded infrastructure was a cause of the Champlain Towers collapse in Miami, Florida. Which I believe oh, yeah. we mentioned previously. We talked about that on Strange News when it first happened. God, I think that was 2021, guys. What um, a time. One thing just to really quickly mention is that if you ever get a Carfax report for a used car that you buy, they have to tell you if it was like from Florida or mm-hmm. somewhere yes. like that because salt water and, and the salt in the air can corrode metal and yeah. can cause problems that you might not immediately see. Oh, yeah. So before we finish the message here from Hydro, I want to just quickly jump to some information coming out of the NIST, uh, which for anybody playing along at home, that's the National Institute of Standards and Technology. They're the folks that will often investigate after something like a collapse occurs or some kind of disaster, especially where infrastructure has failed. Hmm. Um, So the NIST has been studying the collapse of those towers. And if you'll recall, that's that was a 12-story apartment building in Miami that collapsed in the middle of the night at like 1.30 in the morning and and tragically killed a lot of people who were sleeping. Mm. Uh, it was a horrible, horrible thing that occurred. And for a long time, NIST has been trying to prove what happened, right? What were the causes that led to that collapse? How do we prevent that kind of collapse in similar buildings in this area and other areas? And in, what was it? It was September 7th. They put out another update. And in that update, I didn't find anything about saltwater intrusion into like the lower, you know, the lower structures of that building, the foundation. I couldn't find anything on that hydro, but... Uh, if you've got a link or something, maybe send it our way or we can we'll keep hunting for it. Uh, but I couldn't find it, guys, in, in my pursuit this morning. But they did mention that it was at least the latest update from NIST says it's because the the way the structure was built. You know, if you think about going in down into that bedrock to actually place the, the beams that support mm-hmm. that structure, sure. it was not built to the building's design codes basically or to the um, sure. architectural designs stuff was spaced out a little too far and that's probably what ended up leading to collapse but i can imagine saltwater intrusion like this that hydro is talking about could lead to corrosion on those metal parts mm. yeah 
knock-on consequences. Exactly. Right? That's, a, that's a perfect way to put it. Uh, so let's continue back with Hydro's message. Again, this is maybe why it is so threatening to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Saltwater intrusion in Louisiana is also being exacerbated by climate change. Not only are sea levels rising, but precipitation is declining over the long term in the Mississippi River watershed, as well as becoming more variable. That means uh, when it does flood, it's a bigger flood, more water flowing through. When it's a drought, there's less water. It's more, you know, the drought is more severe. On top of that, water use from population growth and agriculture is further depleting freshwater supplies, both in the river and in the aquifers. The combination of these three drivers means that the saltwater intrusion problem is going to get more frequent and more severe for the people of southern Louisiana and the city of New Orleans. But guys, it's not just the Mississippi River that is going to be experiencing this, you know? I think that's why it's important to all of us here. Because you can look at the like these delta areas are very sensitive ecosystems. It's kind of like how um, when stuff starts going sideways ecologically, you look to the amphibians. Yes. Right? Uh, because of their liminal nature, they are going to be the figurative canaries in the coal mine uh, for, for damaging changes. And delta regions are similar in that regard because they themselves are a liminal space so it's again don't want to overuse the word but harbingers <laughs> liminal harbingers of synergy oh, oh god that's our <laughs> early 90s mixtape everybody that's where we just said we're going to jam as many syllables into the verse as possible we are the liminal harbingers but this is a serious thing i think it's yeah. close to close to all of us and doesn't matter where you live this will yeah. have a this will affect you well if you look at the most recent news coming out about the you know the situation in louisiana there's some uh pretty frightening stuff basically the army corps of engineers has put out have set has set this date like halloween hey if we don't get 10 inches of rain by halloween it's going to be bad this salt water is going to be in the new orleans water scene Mm -hmm. less than a month, 27 days as we record. I know that just because I've now just, instead of my name on these conversations, I'm doing a countdown to Halloween. <laughs> oh, look, you I are. love it. Well, we also heard, I mean, not, not about the saltwater intrusion. It did come up uh, with, but with our amazing tour guide at the Hoover Dam. But, yes. you know, that uh, the, the reservoir at the Hoover Dam is also at its lowest level that it's been in years. And our tour guide mentioned if we don't get a certain amount of rain in a certain amount of time, then it could become more critical. Yeah. Because glacial melt is that was too it. real. Yeah, exactly. Well, but, but just to jump back to Louisiana. So the Army Corps of Engineers has been sending in literal barges of fresh water to the Plaque Mines Parish, which was one of the first parishes or the first areas that was affected by the saltwater intrusion. Like, guys, barges of fresh water are having to travel there because they cannot use their tap water for anything. And it's not sustainable, right, to just be shipping in water like that. And then they're going to have to continue shipping in water further north, like upstream on the river, to just to get the human beings the water they need. So the latest development, or the thought, I guess, is putting in a 48-inch PVC pipe that would run uh, to these affected areas from way upstream on the river, like north on the river. 
So basically just diverting the way Hoover Dam diverted water, right? <laughs> we just learned about that. But they're going to divert some of that Mississippi River to these places so you could at least have a tap of fresh water that you could ho- hopefully even plug into the water treatment plants uh, if you needed to. Um, but the Army Corps of Engineers is planning to have to run barges of water and do this stuff until January. Until January, guys. Months. In their defense, too, that they need to plan redundancy. This is not their first sure. rodeo. So, they, you know, they could say what their logic or their calculus could be something like, we will only need this until December, but we definitely need 30 days because we still can't really predict the weather. Well, yeah, that's it. You you have to give contingencies because you have no idea how much water is actually going to show up, but the outlook doesn't look like it, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't look like it's going to get any better anytime soon. And, and again, to the question that always comes up, and I think we talked about at the top of this episode, desalination is just not f- a functional thing at least where it stands currently, you know, the idea of, of, you know, needing some sort of massive power source to do that. It's not like water world where you can just pee into the thing and it turns into, you know, drinking water. Although I think there are things like still suits that do do that. Right. Isn't that a thing? So why can't, so we can do that with a suit and urine. Why can't we do that with, with water? Well, because it's a personal amount. That's probably why. Yeah. To do it at scale. Yeah, okay. Good. Yeah. Also, don't drink your own urine, folks. I, I know, But it's bear, sterile. I know people <laughs> made it look cool, but uh, I've looked into it. Cool? They Well, they made it look like, you know, hardcore survivalism. Mm. But it mm-hmm. will reduce your ability to survive in disadvantageous situations. I, I Really quick, uh, tiny aside, I, I got this. I think I mentioned I got a, a dehumidifier from my basement studio, and it fills up daily. It's gotten a little cooler recently, so it's taking a little longer. But um, it, the water is apparently, it's like you can use it for watering and stuff. But I was told, and I don't know if this is true, but maybe you guys can speak to it, that you shouldn't drink it because it can give you Legionnaire's disease. Yes, 100% yeah. do not drink water from, I was so dumb. I didn't understand. I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. I will apologize a thousand times. We've been written. So many people we, are into we us. Have people to, yeah. that say, uh, do not do that. Filter mm. that stuff. Boil that stuff. Then mm. maybe think about drinking it. But uh, do not drink it directly Tr- from. Treat it as gray water. Mm-hmm. So this is, again, uh, we're adding to the list of things you shouldn't drink. One, sorry. Your own <laughs> urine. Two, water that has not been cleansed. In one way or another, uh, those those are the top two. But I, yeah. I, I think a lot of the other ones are reasonable uh, things that you you should assume you shouldn't drink. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one last thing on desalination, then we'll get out of here. The Plaque Mines Parish president, a gentleman named Keith Hinckley, he says uh, at least that he's hoping that Louisiana, as a state, will put forth funding to invest in desalination, specifically in that region where it's been, you know, where it's been affected by this saltwater intrusion over time. It's almost like an investment, right? A long-term investment. That's mm. in, in well, he's putting out a plea, I guess, to the state of Louisiana. Let's invest some money and actually do this so if it happens in the future, we'll be okay still. Um which seems like a smart move to me. Who knows? All right. Well, that's it. Thank you so much, Hydro, for giving us that insight and for describing some of those processes in such a great way. Really appreciate you. We'll be right back with more Listener Mail. Snag a job is where America goes to hire 
with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We have returned, folks, and this is what I was talking about at the top of this evening's listener mail. The following story may not be appropriate for all of our fellow conspiracy realists. It does contain graphic depictions of self-harm, of violence, of drug abuse, and CSAM, child sexual abuse material. However, this story is important. And it's something that we need to know about. You'll recall in a previous, uh, I believe it was previous strange news segment, uh, we talked about how Germany is finally cracking down on some occult right-wing groups. Uh, And some of these, these groups are part of a larger trend. Nothing occurs in a vacuum. There are many, many similar sects and organizations far more than we might reasonably assume. And they're, they're, they range in terms of danger from little internet warriors all the way up to very serious, very dangerous crews. There's, there's a panoply. There's a spectrum. I wanted to shout out our pal, Chris R., who reached out to me on Instagram and 
tipped us to this story. I'll give you the headline and uh, warning, this story does feature a returning villain from a previous episode. Go to The Guardian. You are going to see an excellent and disturbing piece by the journalist Ali Winston. And the headline is this. A 23-year-old was arrested for gun possession. It led the FBI to a global satanic cult. It sounds breathless. Sounds hyperbolic, but it is very, very true. Have you guys ever heard of a group called 764? Nope. Mm-mm. I know, neither had I. And that's that's a, a little bit unusual for us to have not heard of something in this genre of conspiracy. But I think it, it's just further illustrative of how many of these organizations are splintering off, becoming their own things, and growing This news takes us to Astoria in New York City, where we learn that 764 is a splinter group of the Order of the Nine Angles, or Order of Nine Angles, O9A. Uh, We did an episode on this previously. For anyone who has yet to listen to that episode, please do so. This is important. They are an extremely dangerous, hard-right Christopher described them as a hard-right, military-adjacent Nazi cult. And well done, Christopher, because that is correct. Here's what happened. Just like the case where Thai authorities investigated one suspicious death, like investigated one crime and it led them to find the nation's most notorious serial killer to date, a simple arrest on gun possession charges in New York in November of 2021 led the FBI to an investigation of a pedophilic Satanist extortion cult that has victimized a large group of people. Uh, At first, they thought it was dozens, and they think it was hundreds. And now you'll see credible journalists saying maybe it's in the thousands. Law enforcement discovered this organization, 764, going under a range of names that we'll get to, when they began investigating social media posts by a guy named Angel Almeida, a 23-year-old resident of Astoria. This went deeper, I think, than the FBI or other law enforcement organizations could imagine. The group is now subject of DOJ warnings, Department of Justice. The FBI issued a public warning about them where they said the following. And you can see this in the Guardian article. You can also find the FBI's public statement, DOJ statement. It's out there now. They say, quote, the group is deliberately targeting minor victims on publicly available messaging platforms to extort them into recording or live streaming acts of self-harm and the production of child sexual abuse material. They're really doing this. Dude, they're, mm. <sighs> Jesus. We're talking like uh, Roblox video game message boards right discord twitch Mm -hmm. streaming places where kids you know my kids age hang out you know i'm jesus this is the kind of stuff that'll make you never want to let your kid go on the internet again Mm -hmm. obviously i'm not suggesting that i i think you know oh dude I'm, i'm sorry i'm getting a little emotional just thinking about what it would feel like to have my child or someone close a loved one targeted in this way. It just makes you want to get a La Sombra Negra going on, you know, like take some of these folks out, just take them out. If they're going to do that, if they're going to do that, just take them out. Sorry. That's, that's crass, but like, no, no, I agree. It's been, I don't know if you've gotten to this, but like they're also 
targeting. That's youth, yeah. That's sort of what a yeah. They're targeting of a certain demographic. They're, yeah, they're, they're vulnerable. Yeah, they're targeting people of color. They're targeting uh, kids who identify as LGBTQ plus. Uh, they're also targeting people who have struggled with mental health issues, which is such an umbrella term. And we know heavy usage of social media can have disastrous consequences on self-esteem, you know, self-image, especially if you are a younger person who has always grown up with that. And the expectation that thou must participate in sipping the social meads. Uh, they go to they go to Telegram primarily, where you can find all sorts of dangerous things. And they appear to use threats, blackmail, and manipulation to have these to make force these kids to record themselves committing acts of self-harm cruelty to animals, sexual acts, and even in some cases, suicide. And then they circulate these recordings amidst other members to further extort victims. And the key motivator for doing this, at least according to law enforcement at present, is to gain clout and status within the group. So when they arrest this person, it's because an anonymous tip flagged his social media accounts. If someone hadn't have spoken up, they would not have found him for for some time. Uh, he is a supporter of Dylan Roof, the uh, far-right white supremacist who shot all those innocent people at a church in Charleston about in 2015. Uh, and when investigators searched his apartment, they found he had a nine millimeter, he had a bunch of rifle ammunition, and he had a lot of documents and books pertaining to the order of nine angles, because it turns out that 764 is an offshoot of the order of nine angles. It's another splinter group. These things just continually spread. The, the reason we're talking about it right now is because these kinds of organizations are decentralized. They communicate primarily online, which means that if you are attempting to shut the door on the bad guys here, you're playing whack-a-mole. And you have to do a lot of puzzle piecing. You have to do a lot of digging. And the entire time you're doing it, the clock is ticking. And because they're online, they can just change their communication channel. And, and Ben, isn't this also spreading internationally? Yes, this is a worldwide organization now. Uh, there are people in the UK and Germany who are proven to have participated. There are also homicide suspects. In Romania, there's one case, uh, a homicide suspect uh, was probably participating in 764 when he murdered his foster family in Romania. And it continues. So Order of Nine Angles is kind of modern conspiratorial, evil, occult folklore. You can mix and match. You know what I mean? So they'll take things from left hand esoteric practices from hermeticism. Uh, they'll incorporate Satanism. To be clear, these folks are not Wiccans. Wiccans are not a threat and should not be characterized as such. Check out our upcoming episode on how witch hunts actually work. These folks who are active in 764, they're, they're probably going to go a little bit further underground 
But now that law enforcement is on the scent, we have to ask, what are the odds, do you think, that all these guys will get caught? It's hard with the internet of it all. Um, one would like to believe that the chances have improved. Maybe. I mean, that this honestly is one of the strongest arguments in my mind for removing anonymity yes. on the internet. Yes. Um, even though, of course, you know, if, if a powerful enough force wants to find you, you are not anonymous on the internet as a civilian. Well, this is the most extreme type of internet bullying. I mean, it's not even that. It, it's it's so it's so much more than that. But internet bullying, let's call that like maybe the root of this or something, a seed of this would not exist if not for the highly convenient anonymity of the internet for those who are using it as a tool of abuse. Yeah. It's tough for me. I'm tr I'm trying to go to a place where I can view this as both a real thing that makes me so angry, but also sort of satanic panic, right? Like it's right. a bigger thing. Like it makes it feel like it's a bigger thing than it is. And it scares me. I mean, for me, it, the way I react is it's an emotional reaction and it's because I think about my child, right? Yeah. But satanic panic was designed to like freak out Christians you yeah. know, people of a particular faith or a particular ideology. This stuff is so beyond that. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, like, you're right. This is for freaking out everybody and with good reason, even if five of these people exist and they're yeah. online targeting our kids. Agreed. I mean, oh, mm. yeah. and then additionally, you're going to see one of the difficulties in tracing these nefarious activities is, is due to that fluidity of identity and community that they practice, similar to a terrorist cell. Uh, this group has many street names, uh, and there, there's more than one. There's 676, 764, CVLT, Court, Kaskar, Harm Nation, Leak Society, and H3LL. Hell. Temple of Blood is another offshoot, mm -hmm. I believe. Mm -hmm. Can't make this stuff up. They were also targeting people through curated musical selections on things like SoundCloud. New SoundCloud was bad news. Just kidding. Got to make light somehow. This, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the reason that we want to bring this to your attention is that, again, a lot of these criminals, a lot of these monsters are getting caught for something different. And then as you trace back the string of their activity, you see that they are associated with these groups. Um, when we say extortion, by the way, it's the typical, uh, it's the typical like Chan level trolling. You know, we're going to call a SWAT threat on you. We're going to dox you. Your parents Revenge will find out. Yes. Yeah, things qualities. like that. Yeah. And the end goal in these cases, it's not just the lulls. The end goal in these cases, like the top achievement for these guys like Almeida, is to push someone to the point that they commit suicide on live stream. This is an active, ongoing conspiracy. Uh, do recommend, no matter how you feel about law enforcement, I think we can all agree that this does need to stop. I do recommend checking out the DOJ's Announcement about this, check out what the FBI has written as well. The FBI includes uh, some warning signs that will be useful for you if uh, if something seems off with someone close to you, one of your loved ones. 
Uh, we should also mention that while this is, yeah, to your point, Matt, while this is arguably getting complicated because of the use of the S word and the intergenerational consequences of, uh, <laughs> of outbreaks of mass hysteria, like satanic panic, uh, it's not just a thing where in, although this group may target children and definitely does definitely has, and will continue unless they are stopped. We need to remember that other people get targeted too by different organizations. You know, you mentioned, um, mentioned revenge pornography, right? Which legislation is still trying to catch up with. Uh, we briefly mentioned the Tom Hanks debacle with dentistry. We're going somewhere. Don't worry. Uh, in our strange news segment earlier this week, deep fake, uh, deep fake depictions of innocent people doing evil things, right. Uh, or doing horrific things. That's also on the way. That's a very real problem. We can only hope the legislation catches up in a country that is largely run by 65-year-old-plus people who don't understand the internet. I haven't even thought oh. about the idea of AI snuff films, you know, and things like yes. that, deep fake. That's, I mean, God, at this point, it's such a, like, a, oh, it's just a little amusement, you know? No, it's got such deep implications. You're so right, Ben. I'm thinking about an individual who attempted to take on this type of activity that we just learned about this week. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Who uh, was murdered. Yeah. He went by Bupak Shakur mm -hmm. and he attempted to confront two teenagers that he suspected were attempting to have sex with a 14 year old. And he, mm -hmm. I guess he assaulted or he punched one of them and he ended up getting shot and killed. Yeah. Bupak Shakur uh, and real name, Robert Wayne Lee out mm -hmm. there in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Uh, and also, additionally, that without, I don't want to derail us too much, but in that case, uh, it does seem that he had what he felt was solid evidence mm -hmm. for the behavior of those teenagers. But I believe Michigan may also have what's called a Romeo and Juliet law. Yeah. It hinges on the number of years that separate the two people and how old the oldest one is, right? Right. Yeah. They're both minors, mm -hmm. for instance. Um, yeah, so it is a real and a dangerous thing. We're not saying ruin your life or quality of life with paranoia, but we are saying it is mission critical to be aware of this stuff. Like to your point, Noel, like the article, what several of the articles mentioned, including The Guardian, infiltration via YouTube comments, via Roblox, things like that, very easy to do. Uh, and kids don't like to be controlled. Right. Obviously. But people also, I think, in general, don't like to die. So at some point, you have to prioritize that over per, or over the comfort level of someone like uh, sometimes being being a parent is being the bad cop. Yeah. No, no. Thank, thankfully, my, my, I hope God I, I hear stories like this and I just call so much into question. I mean, I hope my kid is a good steward of my trust. And, you know, not that they would ever do anything, you know, purposefully like to get mixed up in anything like this, but high school is hard. People are mean. Anybody offering you an, a, a, a kind, seemingly kind hand, you know, with ulterior motives, that could be a real attractive proposition for some kids, especially in the group that this group is clearly targeting, you know, kids that are 
not from good homes, not from homes, even if they are, that's irrelevant. I don't even why I even said that. It could just be, you know, dealing with mental health issues, exploring their identity, exploring their identity. That's right. And, and Ben, I just wanted to add, I'm sure you were thinking this too. There's a great uh, list of resources at the bottom of the guardian article that I think everyone should be aware of. Yes. That's exactly where I'm going. Want to give you some resources and then end on a slightly up, Note. Uh, so the Guardian lists these, but again, I highly recommend going to the DOJ statement. Uh, there's also a great article over there on the wildhunt.com about this. If you or someone you know are struggling with this sort of internet extortion and blackmail, you are not alone and you are not defenseless. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children has a free service known as Take It Down, which will help you. It helps minors, but even if you are now an adult and of age, they will assist you to the best of their ability. Just go to takeitdown.ncmec.org. You can also... Uh, You can also report to the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center. That's ic3.gov, number three. Uh, You can also, of course, call the FBI. Your mileage may vary. That is 1-800-225-5324. We must remember that these organizations exist to help. And to help, they need to be alerted to these activities. And if you are aware of any uh, abusive behavior um, happening to a child, you can in the U.S. call or text the Child Help Abuse Hotline at 800-422-4453. They also have a website where you can direct message them um, in the U.K., uh, the NSPCC is a very similar organization, and you can reach out to them at 0800 11 11. And again, that, uh, the U.K. stuff is from the Guardian article. Uh, There are, although we're mentioning just the UK and US, there are, of course, similar organizations in most other countries. So if you are in Germany, if you're somewhere in the European theater, if you are in Asia, in Latin America, please remember there are people out there who who will help and you are not alone. Uh, To end on a slight up note, uh, when when our friend Christopher R. reached out, to me. Uh, We always want to try to get consent, of course, before we share your messages or communiques here on the show. So I asked Chris the age-old question, do you have a cool street name moniker you want to go by? Do you want to stay anonymous, etc.? Thanks again. Says you can call me by my name, Chris R., or you can just say my IG name, either or, I like attention. (laughs) Shout out to you, uh, C.S. Raymer. And thank you, seriously, man, for sharing this. We're all in this thing called life together. So let's, I don't want to sound, you know, sanctimonious or whatever, but it takes all of us working together to solve the big problems. And that's why we want to give a big thank you to Christopher. That's why we want to give a big thank you to Hydro. You said that, I love that it sounds like a comic book superhero or villain. What do you guys think? Villain or superhero? Villainous superhero. Ah. Antihero. There we go. All right. Hydro <laughs> obeys no law, but the law of the sea could also be like a weed uh, associated figure, you know, mm-hmm. hydroponics. You know, that's a thing. Remember, they used to call it hydro. I don't think they say that anymore. I'm old. <laughs> and uh, we also want to thank, of course, Corvus for bringing back drinking out of cups. I think we're all going to watch that immediately after this. Uh, and thank you additionally to all our fellow conspiracy realists who 
called to us in the darkness of the crossroads, who wrote to us on social media, sent an email, gave us a phone call. Special shout out to Winkler. You raised an excellent, disturbing point about some Chinese interest in North Dakota. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get to it this evening, uh, but we will make it so in the future. If you would like to join up with your fellow listeners, we would love to have you on the show. And we try to make it so easy, so easy to talk to us. By the way, I just texted my kid. You aren't being targeted by any Satanists online, are you, boo? No response yet. It's, a again, trying to keep it lighthearted. But no, I just said, please always be so careful about the people you interact with online. Um, but you can interact with us online. We're, we're good people. You can reach out to us uh, to handle conspiracy stuff where we exist on uh, X, FKA Twitter, Facebook, uh, and YouTube. Um, on Instagram and TikTok, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show. We have a phone number, one eight three three stdwytk It's a voicemail system. You've got three minutes. Give yourself a cool nickname and let us know if we can use your voice and message on the air. If you don't want to do voicemail, why not instead do email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.